So this is famous verse. It's uh, uh, quoted here in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, <coughs> but it's actually from the Srimad Bhagavatam, the 11th canto. And this is the verse that would be chanted at all uh, sannyas initiations. We often refer to it as the sannyas mantra, not the mantra that the sannyasi gets uh, uh, to add to the other Gayatri mantras that we chant. That's a different one, which we won't repeat, but it's actually in the folio, if you want to find it. But this is uh, considered, you know, this is the, towards the end of the chapter of the 11th canto, the Advanti Brahmana. And his whole story is a uh, story that sannyasis are meant to meditate upon before they take sannyas and decide after reading it if they're ready for sannyas by understanding how uh, advanced and how clear um, uh, the, thought, the thought process of the Bhakti Brahmana was or is um, and how clear and how fixed he was in, uh, in renunciation. So, let's jump first. Etam saashtaya paramatmanishtam adhyasitam purvatamaya mahadhi aham tavisyami durantaparam tamo mukundangri nishedayaiva. So etam means this, sa means such. Ashtaya uh, indicates being completely fixed in. Paratmanishtam is devotion to the Supreme Person, Krishna. Adyasitam is worshipped. Purva tamai means by previous. Mahadvi means acharyas. Aham means I. Tarishyami shall cross over. Durantaparam, the insurmountable. Tamaha, the ocean of nescience. Mukundam angri. What does that mean? The angri is not is not anga, but yeah, it's kind of one of the limbs. What's one? Which limb? The lotus feet of Lord Mukunda. That's what that means. Mukunda and angri. Uh, Nishevaya means by worship, and eva means certainly. So this is the Brahman of Advanti. This is his conclusion after. Well, we'll probably tell a little bit of his story, but he went through all kinds of stuff in his life. Bad and good. Well, maybe bad. Um, he wasn't a very nice person in the beginning. And then he gets into this whole philosophical discussion about what is the cause of happiness and distress. It's not this, it's not that, it's not this, it's not that. And then his conclusion, after going through that whole an- analysis, is this. I shall cross over the insurmountable ocean of nescience by being firmly fixed in service of the lotus feet of Krishna. This was approved by the previous acharyas who were fixed in firm devotion to the Lord, Paramatma, the Supreme Personality of God. So I'll, I'll read a, a little bit of this. It's a long purport. In connection with this verse, which is a quotation from Srimad Bhagavatam, Srila Bhakti, the 11th canto, and the, uh, the story of the Apanti Brahman is chapter 23. Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasati Thakur says that of the 64 items required for rendering devotional service, accepting of the symbolic marks of the sannyas is a regulated principle. If one accepts the sannyas order, his main business is to devote his life completely to the service uh, of Mukunda, Krishna. If one does not completely devote his mind and body to the service of the Lord, he does not actually become a sannyasi. It is not simply a matter of changing dress. In Bhagavad Gita, it is also stated, Anastrika karma palam, karyam karma karotiya, sasanyasita yogicha. One who works devotedly for the satisfaction of Krishna is a sannyasi. The dress is not sannyas, but the attitude of service to Krishna is. Om Ajnana Jnana Shalakaya Chakshur Meditamyena Tasmai Shri Gurude Namaha So we're talking about sannyas today. Why? Vishru Mahotsa. What's that? 
So he didn't even get uh, sense enjoyment from his uh, accumulated wealth. He just he was just he was just a miser. So therefore, his family didn't like him at all. And uh, because he was accumulating wealth, probably in somewhat questionable ways sometimes, people didn't like him very much. And then, um, somewhat suddenly, things changed, and he lost all of his wealth. So then people really didn't like him. I mean, some of you, you may have a certain respect for a person um, if they have uh, a degree of wealth, but once they, but if they are a real pain in the neck, and they had wealth, now they no longer have it. So he, uh, to make a semi-long story short, not that long, I mean, it's only about um, 16 verses in the um, he, he had to take to a mendicant's life. And people remembering what he was uh, like previously, they didn't treat him very well, to say the least. Of course, his family naturally rejected him. There was no use for him at all. Um, and people, uh, people would do things that you, know, you practically don't even want to mention in a Bible class, but just to give you an idea and uh, whet your appetite for Prashad at this point. Uh, um, sometimes when he had gotten some kind of foodstuffs uh, uh, from begging in order to eat, uh, some people would go and urinate on that foodstuff before he would eat it. Sorry about that, but it's in the Bible Um and he started thinking about what is the cause of happiness and distress. And he, he went through a whole analysis, which I guess we probably don't have time for now. They say you're supposed to stop at 8.30. Right? Um, so we only have two more minutes. Um, but he, he went through a whole analysis of where, where is the source of of happiness and distress. At one point, he comes to this fascinating conclusion. I decided to go paperless. You know, that's a new politically correct thing, right? Not to save the trees and just bring a computer to watch. Um, well, first he says this. The Brahmana understood. He was a Brahmana. A Swamidhi Brahmana. So he had some, poor uh, Vasamskar, some previous piety, certainly in his life, um, understood that all his suffering from other living beings from the higher forces of nature and from his own body was unavoidable, being allotted to him by providence. And then a little later it says, all the senses, this is a conclusion that he comes to, all the senses have been, listen to this, is pretty powerful, all the senses have been under the control of the mind since yesterday? No. Since time immemorial. And the mind himself never comes under the sway of any other. He is stronger than the strongest, and his godlike power is fearsome. Therefore, anyone who can bring the mind under control becomes the master of all senses. So this is the qualification for taking sannyasa. Just like we say, uh, and so to have a mind under control that the mind can be our friend or our enemy, right? Vipur or... Um, anyway, friend or enemy. Forget the other word. thank you. Yeah. So it can be our friend or our enemy. And so when the mind actually is under control and is uh, at least in a large extent our friend, we can take some. I mean, that's, that's the meditation that, that a sannyasa can do before uh, prepared, before deciding to make sannyasa um, as he comes to this level. So the, the Yavanti Brahmana, um, he just became uh, oblivious to happiness and distress. And then after, you know, that analysis of where happiness and distress comes from, then he chanted this verse. There's actually a whole song that he chants, so it's sometimes considered the, uh, what is it? Bhikshu, Bhikshu Gita. Yeah. Um, and so then he chanted this verse, that the, you know, the, his ultimate conclusion is, you have to take shelter below the speed of Rukunda. Um, Prabhupada writes, the sannyas dress is actually an attraction for material formality. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu did not like such formality, but he wanted the essence of it, service to Mukunda. 
Such determination in any situation is paratma uh, nishta. That is required. The conclusion is that the sannyas order depends not on the dress, but on the determination to serve Rokunda. So in that sense, all of us can be, uh, uh, can be sannyasis right now. It doesn't require the formal change in dress. So, so we can't just say, okay, well, you know, Mara, she has to be, you know, Paka and all this, but, you know, I'm just a householder, so give me a break. Right? But actually, anyone at any time, any devotee at any time, can be on the level of the sannyasi. As explained, uh, we read it in the purport, as explained in the first verse of the sixth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. Um, by this, by, uh, it's not by the dress, but it's by the determination to serve Mukunda. And even on a very practical level, we, we have so many uh, devotees who are on the level of sannyasis without taking sannyas. Uh, and in both genders. Right? I mean, there's certainly ladies who are on this platform of determined to serve Mukunda, even though Sri uh, Prabhupada made it pretty clear on a couple of occasions, at least, that uh, women do not take formally the, the sannyasa order. But they can be uh, a sannyasi in this sense, uh, and all of us can be, by being determined to serve Krishna. Now, when one takes sannyas, there are ten samsars that, that uh, one uh, generally goes through in body Vaishnavism. There's the shaving of the head and keeping a tuft of hair. There's taking a bath. There's applying tilak. And there's applying uh, Krishna's name using tilak um, on his body. And then there's the acceptance of uh, kopins. And then there's something interesting called Pranpatishta, which is giving power to the kopins. Now, I don't know what that means. Don't steal the sannyasis kopins, because you may get in big trouble, you know, if they're powerful. Um, then there's the Namkarna, there's the giving of, uh, of the name. Uh, then there's the Mantra Dharna, there's receiving of the Gopi Pava Mantra. And then there's the accepting of the uh, Achut Gotra, the... Uh, <coughs> that one is firmly now, of course, we, we are all members of the Ajit Group, right? we're all members of uh, Lord Chaitanya, Lord Krishna's family, right? But specifically, uh, a sannyasi gives up all of the sarvapadi vinyamuktam taparat vinyamuktam, right? That all upadis um, were meant to give up as devotees, but uh, specifically, a sannyasi uh, relinquishes any other upadi belonging to this family, belonging to this caste, belonging to this country, uh, and simply identifies himself. Gopi Bhattar Patakamalayor Tasadasadas Anadas as a servant of the servant of the servant of the servant of the uh, of those who serve Krishna. So, um, so that's actually significant. As Sri Prabhupada mentions, that the sannyasi is civilly dead. On that note, But that is, it's, again, it's a deep meditation. We were reading here that the Advanti Pramana, he was talking about uh, the minds. And then, in the uh, purport to the verse before this verse, Srila Prabhupada talks, oh, I can't find it right now, but anyway, he talks about the false ego. So, uh, if we think the mind is a problem, imagine what the problem is with the false ego. Because really what the mind does, the mind's duty, is to protect the false ego. The false ego, in one sense, the ahankar, is really the problem. It's this incredibly powerful element that convinces someone who's completely spiritual that they're completely material. Right? So it's, a, it's an extremely powerful uh, element. And we, if we analyze our day, we act on the level of a false, false ego many times, unfortunately, throughout the day. Um, we, we identify with something that we're actually not. Whether it's, it's our gender, or whether it's our body, or whether it's our nationality. Except the false ego acts in so many different ways. And then the, the mind's job, and it's not, a, it's not part-time, not a part-time job, it's a full-time job, we say 24-7. It protects the Ahamkara. It protects our false conception. 
And and like and how does it do that? Sankalpa uh, vikalpa. Uh, it accepts and rejects. Accepts and rejects all day long. All day long, based on protecting our false idea of who we are. So now a sannyasi takes a, a vow to, to uh, in a very uh, serious way, uh, fend off for the rest of his life this false idea of who they are, and be fixed in simply understanding uh, that uh, Krishna and I'm uh, Krishna's servant. And, and specifically as the body of Vaishnavism, uh, because the sannyasa gives the Gopi Pada Mantra, to be fixed in the service of, of uh, Shishigata Gopiya, and to meditate upon them as their eternal servant. So it's, um, as we say, it's not a joke, it's, it's a very serious commitment. Um, it's really a full frontal attack on Maya, um, taking, uh, taking sannyasa. Now I'll just read a little bit um, from the Lilamrita um, about Srila Prabhupada actually taking the sannyasa. Where did he take sannyasa? Very good. <laughs> Slightly worse than Uttar Pradesh. Yes. <laughs> not in Vrindavan. No. no, not West Bengal. Matura, Matura, Matura. Oh, yeah, Lodge Nani. That's in West Bengal. Yes. He took it at the Keshavaji Gordiamat. Uh, as it says here, Keshavaji Gordiamat was located in the midst of one of Matura's downtown bazaars. Its main entrance, an arched doorway, led to a, into a courtyard, open to the sky through a metal grating above. The architecture was similar to that of the Vangsi Gopalaji temple. The atmosphere was secluded, as in a monastery. Abai was a familiar, welcome figure here. He had lived here, written and studied in the library here, edited the Gaudiya Patrika, and donated the deity of Lord Chaitanya, who stood on the altar beside the deities of Radha and Krishna. But his visit during September of 1959 was not an ordinary one. He entered the mob dressed in white, a pie papu, but he would soon be leaving dressed in saffron. A swami. Abai had been living as a renunciate for nine years. There was no need for him to observe a ceremony or to pro- proclaim himself a sadhu by changing to saffron dress. But it was the parampara system that a man take three dandhi sannyas at the end of his life. Oh. That's interesting, by the way. Uh, just as an aside. Because Prabhupada said one takes it at the end of... Uh, or rather, the, um, the Lamanita says it takes it at the end of life. And then I found this nice quote from Srila Prabhupada. Uh, this was at a sannyasa initiation in 1972. And he says, So according to the Vedic system, which says, Lord Chaitanya took sannyasa at what age? 24. <laughs> I must be asking the wrong questions. You're getting all the right answers. Okay. He was a very young man. So according to the Vedic system, one takes sannyas at the fag end of life, just like I have taken Shiva Prabhupada says. While I was going to, while I was going to die, I took sannyas. So that is also something is better than nothing. Prabhupada would come up with these wonderful sayings. And now you have sannyas in prime youthful life. So you are all far better than me. You have, you have got enough opportunity to serve Krishna and his mission. I am old man. I may pass away at any moment. The wording is already there. So you remain and preach this mission. So that was probably the last point about the end of life. Okay. Uh, he was aware of the cheating sannyasis. Even in Vrindavan, he had seen so-called sadhus who did not preach, but simply spent their days hunting for chapatis. Such swamis of Vrindavan even indulged illicitly in what they had supposedly come here to reject, sex life. Such persons were making a mockery of sannyas, and there were caste swamis also, who were living like ordinary householders, yet were taking the name of the sannyas. On the morning of September 17th, 1959, in the 50-by-25-foot deity room on the second floor of the Keshavaji Mat, a group of devotees sat before the deities of Radha, Krishna, and Lord Chaitanya. The deities were colorfully dressed in royal clothing and silver crowns. Radharani's right hand,
she's giving her, her benediction every day to us. Um, to, for the worshiper. At her side, her left hand held a flower for just <laughs> exactly <laughs> held a flower because it's not always like that, you know. Even our duty in Prasada is is not in the same mudra. Uh, in her left hand held a flower for Krishna. Krishna stood like a dancer, placing his right leg in a casual tiptoe poise before his left, just like we see here. Facing his long silver flute, no, we have gold today, uh, which he held gracefully to his red lips. His long black hair reached down past his shoulders, yes. And the garland of marigolds, uh, we have a little more obvious ones here. Uh, around his neck, reached down to his knees. On his right stood the deity of Lord Chaitanya, his right arm raised, left arm at his side. His body straight, feet together. He was a soft golden color, and his large eyes were well-formed, and a well-formed red mouth, and straight black hair down to his shoulders. On the left, below the deities, were pictures of the spiritual masters in disciplic succession. Abai sat on a mat of kusha grass beside 90 year old Sanatana, also to, reach, uh, to receive sannyas that day. Sitting opposite the two candidates, Narayan Maharaj, Keshavaji Maharaj's disciple, prepared to conduct the ceremony of mantras and offering grains and ghees into the fire. Akinshana Krishnadas Babaji, Abai's godbrother, known for sweet singing, played Madanga and sang Vaishnava Bhajans. Sitting on a raised asana, His Holiness Keshavaji Maharaj presided. Since there had been no notices or invitations, only the month, a uh, few residents um, attended. So it goes on to say, explain the ceremony a bit. And one significant point is an unusual thing for initiation. Keshav Maharaj asked Srila Prabhupada to speak. So Prabhupada looked around the room, and almost everyone there naturally uh, was a Hindi speaker. And only Keshav Maharaj and maybe one or two others understood English. But Srila Prabhupada significantly chose to speak in English. Uh, and he gave his, uh, he gave a, uh, a pravachan in English, which is, you know, kind of foretelling his, uh, his future preaching plans. So he, he, he took sannyas, and we've seen probably this picture of uh, um, Keshva Maharaj sitting, and then Srila uh, Prabhupada, and now this, uh, or uh, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami and Muni, the Sanatan became Muni Maharaj, that was the name that he was given. So there's a nice picture of the three of them after the Sanyas uh, ceremony. And there was a, this account was given in the Gaudiya Patrika, the newspaper. Uh, seeing his enthusiasm and ability to write articles in Hindi, English, and Bengali, Bhakti Sanatan Saraswati Maharaj gave him the instruction to take Tri Dandi Sanyas. For nearly one year he had been ready to accept sannyas. In the month of Padra, on the day on which Vishwarupa accepted sannyas, Bhaktivedanta Swami at the Sri Keshaviji Gaudiyamath accepted sannyas from the founder of the Vedanta Samiti, Bhakti Pradhyan Keshva Maharaj. Seeing him accept his ashram of renunciation, seeing this pastime for accepting the renounced order of life, we have attained great affection and enthusiasm. So, uh, although on one level, Unnecessary for Srila Prabhupada to have done this. On another level, another um, part of the pastime of, the, you know, of Srila Prabhupada's preparation for coming to the West uh, and um, us being so fortunate because if he hadn't taken sannyas, hadn't come to the West, hadn't come on the Jalatitha, we could all um, probably not like to imagine where we would be today. Uh, boss, do we have time for questions or comments? Okay. So, some discussion. This one. You told that there is a difference uh, between two types of sannyas and one type, but the sannyas is accepted from Kandiva, the other type. Could you repeat the difference? Oh, well, um, and also there's this mention of a place of sannyas is also allowed in Kandiva, I don't know why. Um, what's the difference? The bhakti sannyasi is the one. practicing bhakti. The karma sannyasi, the uh, sannyasi may more likely uh, be.
be of a different school of thought. And um, the strength that a person needs to take sannyas is not a small deal, or to remain a sannyasi. And we understand that, for example, Brahman does not give mercy. Right? <laughs> the definition of something that's impersonal is that an impersonal object cannot provide mercy. Whereas Krishna, the person, she, she, rather, Gopinam, they can give mercy. And uh, one needs, especially in Kali Yuga, um, one needs the, the strength that, that one gets by being attracted to the all-attractive. That is the kind of thing that maintains one's one serious vows of this nature. And it's much, much more difficult to, um, to remain fixed in sannyas if one doesn't have that mercy coming from the Supreme Personality of God. So uh, that might give us some, although I'm not quoting Shastra right now, but that may give us some indication of why other sannyasas, other kind of sannyasas uh, would not be recommended because it's difficult enough in Kali Yuga. And, but one gets strained by doing such things as chanting Krishna's name and uh, worshipping Krishna, the deity of Krishna. Is that right? Is that oh, philosophically? Okay. Yes, ma'am. Um, I was wondering why do I say that women cannot take photos and nothing? Because, like, for instance, Gandhi Mata was strong and So, like, actually, there are, like, some women taking photos. So, I was wondering if that was something you can do with photos Any other questions? <laughs> no. <laughs> do you know the answer to it? She said, uh, I'll repeat it, thank you. Uh, she said, is there, is there anyone, if I, whether I knew the specific reason that Sheila Galba said that women do not take sannyas, and then she gave the example of Kanda Mata Goswamini. Um, yes, possibly. As far as I know, uh, she didn't take all the sannyas. She was to be called Goswamini, but she was not very tough or a doctor. Um, but I mean, like she had like a spiritual master, and she became a Goswami, not a Sanyasi. Exactly. So, according to Vasudev, you can maybe take the title of Goswami, but you're not going to give you a title. I mean, I. Go already say it. Maharaj? Do you know any not a tradition. Yes, yeah, no, there's given to men. Traditional were protected in childhood by the parents, uh, in youth by the husband, in old age by the By the eldest son. I, re- I remind my son of that regularly. Father, do you want to say something? Learn to respect more within our Iskand society. Uh, 
I mean, I, I, not to suit my own horn or anything, but I tried to do that a little bit in the VIG, because in the VIG we always had a tradition that we wouldn't charge uh, any tuition for sannyasis, you know. Um, so then, but then I, I made sure that we extended that to widows also, because, you know, it's a very similar ashram. Uh, so we should also, you know, make sure that we uh, have a, a similar kind of respect for those ladies who have, you know, taken on the dress of white and, uh, you know, in a very similar way have, have, uh, have renounced uh, this world. Yes. You mentioned that different devotees attain this, uh, of both genders attain this, this kind of mood. I wonder how much is this mood compatible for Vyasta? Uh, <laughs> how much of this mood is um, is recommended for Grihastas? Well, if we uh, understand this mood in a simple and sane way, then it certainly would be applicable to Grihastas. If both husband and wife are uh, fixed in the service of Mukunda and they make a house uh, they see their house as belonging to Mukunda, as like Bhaktivinoda Thakur, Manasa Deyo Deyo Yokichimori, right, that we see. And one uh, tries to engage one's family members in the service of Mukunda in, again, a sane and practical way, then certainly it would be applicable. But, you know, if the, if the husband is thinking, you know, hey, just, you know, just after they have a two-year-old child, okay, now it's really time for sannyas, that might be a uh, irresponsible mindset. Um, and although this may be not politically correct in the year 2010, Shiva Prabhupada Shiva did have the idea, at least at one time, that, uh, and at least for those who were like full-time members of the mission, that the husband and wife would live together for some time, have a child, and after the child got a little old, not very old, a uh, husband would move in the ashram, woman would be in, in the ashram, uh, and uh, there wasn't be a whole lot of living together, um, just because he, you know, he, uh, they would be fixed in, in the mission. Now we know, from, you know, if, uh, if there's two court, there's a course now, isn't there a course now? Is Mamalukmanji teaching a course on Iskan society or something? Yeah. So we know if we study the history of Iskan that sometimes this hasn't worked out. Uh, you know, and people were more, people were ready to take some out after having a small child, um, more for, you know, just wanting to renege on their uh, responsibilities rather than having some super high spiritual realizations, you know, that, you know, Lord Nixon became in a dream and so fixing it. Um, so, we want to be uh, slightly careful about that. We want, uh, especially in, in one sense, even for our preaching, to have rehustas that are actually um, uh, responsible and not kind of shunning their duties. But, if Prihasas are fixed in the service of Mukunda, that's great. You know, I mean, actually, husband and wife should, at least theoretically, get along better. If, uh, I think it was Bhakti, you know, uh, Bhakti Tirkamara used to say, almost like a love triangle, that, you know, if there's a husband, wife, and Krishna, and, you know, you add Krishna to the mix, and it can actually become quite mundane if uh, the Prihasas' house is more like the Prihamedi's house, where there's no Krishna, you know, Krishna, who's that, you know. You know, you wake up in the morning, you walk by your TV and go, fireball. <laughs> now let's get to the real world. I have a third question to you. If, if wife can have such a prospective wife, better to say, mm-hmm. such an attitude, why does she marry? Why does she marry? If someone has this attitude. Um, we generally don't have this attitude. I mean, 100%. If we, then yes, if, if in a rare, rare case, that we're so... Um, I won't embarrass the person, but there's somebody in this room, uh, a lady who's not married, a very, very advanced uh, devotee, and you know, just, she's just like, get married, forget it. I don't want to do something like that. And so we offer our obeisances to her as being a very advanced person. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the general rule of thumb is. But we've also, you know, we've also sometimes maybe perhaps swung the pendulum a little too far over, especially in terms of our men getting married. And uh, maybe, yeah, the basic idea is that if someone should get married, 
not encouraging them to do so is a big mistake. And similarly, if someone really doesn't need to get married and really can live a happy, peaceful, Christian-conscious, determined life, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's somewhat of a crime to encourage them to get married when it's not a necessity. Because for those of us who are married, we know that uh, you know there's other responsibilities than just um, hearing and chanting. And so that takes time away from hearing and chanting and, uh, and preaching. But for most of us, Slavs like me, uh, it's a good choice. Especially if, you know, if, you get, uh, if you're lucky to have a nice spouse like that. And I'm sure all these ladies have nice spouses. Yes? I just wanted to comment on something you said about that. You mentioned a few times that it was pretty fun. It wasn't about just getting Mm-hmm. He said that sometimes. He also sometimes said it's not necessarily facing us. Because I was just speaking two weeks ago with the Magi group, and he was just telling me a little bit about their association. He and his wife had a lot of personal support. Mm-hmm. He said, This was never a mood that I understood from God. It's always very supportive. He said, I don't think we're speaking. Prabhupada never wanted his husband, or never said that it was a necessity for a husband and wife to separate. Yes. They were both being appreciated for just life. You did say that. You preferred for them to stay together. I don't know if you say he preferred, but he certainly, even in his purport, said that there's a famous, well known purport, isn't it, in the Bhagavad Where um, he's, you know, he's mentioned that there's no necessity, or maybe it's a letter. There's no necessity for you know a Christian conscious couple for these husband to take sannyas. But at other times, especially I'm talking about very early in the movement. Um, but there is something called manakras, which um, you know, the, matter of fact, there is. It's kind of funny in the in the fashion industry. At least a couple of years ago, because it does change every year. Uh, dresses made of tree bark. It did become quite popular. <laughs> Because, you know, actually, a Banapas is I mean, I don't know, maybe if tree bark was a cool color like this, you know, I could get into it, you know. <laughs> uh, but, but at least theoretically, I'm supposed to be a Banapas. Because, you know, we're not going to have any more kids. So pretty clear. And I'm almost years old. But, um, you know, we're still a little unclear about what a Banapas is supposed to be. Actually, Janan Nandamaraj was really into it. He was going to study and. And, and really understand it better than he took some out stuff. He kind of forget it. <laughs> the conclusion of the study, actually. <laughs> but, uh, yes, Buster. Many, many years ago, I read a transcript of a conversation where Prabhupada was asked about, uh, he was told about the, the Christian tradition, the monastic a tradition where there are monasteries and there are also convents where at least a little monastic lifetime and don't marry, whether that was acceptable. <coughs> now, I, don't, I looked into the database uh, recently and I can't find this conversation. Mm. But I remember it clearly, clearly. It's there somewhere. Prabhupada's answer is interesting. He said that, uh, uh, yes, this is very good. The principle is that women should be protected. So if they can be protected in the Brahmachari Ashram, Brahmachari in the Ashram, then that is very nice. Fine. He encouraged Jamuna Mataji, who wanted to do such a thing. I think it was in Oregon. She got a small rural community going there at one time. And it was even quite interesting because, I won't mention names, but one of the GBCs was really trying to, on one morning walk, was really trying to convince Prabhupada that this is bogus, you know. We want these ladies back in, uh, I won't mention the place. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I figure out who it was. <laughs> but it was between San Francisco and San Diego. <laughs> one big city of seven million people. <laughs> it starts with an L. <laughs> Two words. <laughs> um, and, and he wanted them there to distribute books. And, and he was really trying to, you know, this argument, that argument, and it was, it was actually a real clear case of someone trying to manipulate Prabhupada. It didn't work. <laughs> but Prabhupada also said, don't make it a big thing, you know, kind of do it somewhat quietly. He told that to, to, to Jamuna. 
And then there's that famous line that, you know, because sometimes we, uh, we distribute books um, at uh, different functions uh, where gay people come together, gay and lesbian people. So uh, sometimes I use this line. People come up to you and say, what do you guys think about, you know, homosexuality? And I said, well, our spiritual master said that men are good and women are good, but together bad. And they go, right on. <laughs> 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 um, it wasn't exactly what all that meant. <laughs> but the point is that we want to become attached to Krishna. And the point is that we want to have, you know, uh, on, on a certain level, especially at a certain time in our life, as few distractions as possible. That's, that's kind of the principle. And so it's taking sannyas, uh, living a renounced life, being really, you know, good uh, on a process. You know, if these things are favorable, um, uh, then that's good. But, but just like we just had a marriage here the other day, so we're not going to start preaching to this young couple, okay, guys, you know. <laughs> Get your kid, you know, get out of here. <laughs> you know, you, know you, you encourage different people at different times in their life, right? And you encourage young rehustas to have a, you know, a good family life, to have a good relationship, to get along with one another. And, and that's, you know, something that you have to decide. And then when they, you know, become, like I've been married 21 years now, so, you know, you, you might preach to me differently now. So at least to a certain extent. And, uh, well, in my, you know, in my case, my wife and I get along with each other, but you can see I'm here, you know, we spend some nine months in different parts of the world. It's just kind of natural. Especially my son's no longer in the house. So, so you know, time, if, 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 uh, if our advancement doesn't give us renunciation, the time factor will help. <laughs> Proud along. Yes, but can I, what should I do? Last. What? Last one. Last one? <laughs> That's why he's sitting right in front of me. <laughs> yes. There's one point of one of us that might be interesting that um, their their processes to give up the comfort. Mm-hmm. That's what the tree park program is about. Renounced <laughs> order means if one already renounced. Before that. Yeah, so one of us is give up responsibility. Give up the possessions, give up comforts for the body, and voluntarily accept to a um, austerity for Yeah. Should I take the real question now? <laughs> 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 Alright, so, um, so we can meditate on Srila um, Prabhupada today and uh, how he, you know, he took this serious, uh, very important and serious step towards him uh, coming to. Uh, to, you know, um, getting in the mood in which to board that uh, Jaladuta and come and rescue us. To Prabhupada Kijaj, Vishru Mahamahusa Kijaj.